faithfulness. Yes, Lord, how we need you. And it's appropriate uh, this morning to speak on faithfulness as it is Mother's Day. And when most of us think of our mothers, the word faithfulness comes to mind, along with many other descriptions. So as a tribute to mothers this morning, I'd like to say this. Dear Mom, thanks for not feeding me to a shark or selling me to the circus. I know it was a real possibility. Happy Mother's Day. (laughs) Things Mom would never say. How on earth can you see the TV sitting so far back? Yeah, I used to skip school a lot too. Just leave all the lights on. It makes the house look more cheery. Let me smell that shirt. Yeah, it's good for another week. Go ahead and keep that stray dog, honey. I'll be glad to feed and walk him every day. Well, if Jeff's mama says it's okay, that's good enough for me. The curfew is just a general time to shoot for. It's not like I'm running a prison around here. I don't have a tissue with me. Just use your sleeve. Don't bother wearing a jacket. The windshield is bound to improve. And finally... Moms, did you know that the advice your son rejected is now being given by him to your grandson? (laughs) Happy Mother's Day. Believe. Faithfulness. If we're going to define faithfulness, as Paul uses it in the uh, New Testament, how would you do it? Well, if you looked at a dictionary, you'd find a technical definition that says to follow through with a commitment regardless of difficulty. That's a good definition. But let's look at one that may be easier to remember. Love, or sorry, faithfulness is love hanging on. It's love saying, I will not quit. There may be misunderstandings and there may be disappointments, but I will not quit. It's love hanging on. If someone says, I really love the Lord, or I really love the church, and then is unfaithful, it's hard to believe that he really does love the Lord. Because faithfulness and love always go hand in hand. Faithfulness is love hanging on. You may get discouraged. You may be disappointed. But faithfulness says, even though there is discouragement and disappointment, I will not let go. I will not quit. I will keep on attending and giving and serving because God has called me to be faithful. Philip Yancey writes, Faith means trusting in advance what will only make sense in reverse. To be faithful is to be reliable, steadfast and unwavering. And the Bible speaks of this type of faithfulness in four ways. As an attribute of God, as a positive characteristic of some people, as a characteristic that many people lack, and as a gift from the Holy Spirit. Faithful is also used in the sense of believing, as in the case of the Christians in Ephesus and Colossae. Ephesians 1.1 says this, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. Colossians 1-2 says this, To the holy and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, 
Grace and peace to you from God our Father. Scripture speaks, often speaks, of God's faithfulness. Over and over, we learn that when God says something, He will do something. He does it even when it seems impossible. When He says something will happen, it happens. This is true for the past, the present, and the future. And if this were not the case, if God were unfaithful even once, He would not be God. And we could not rely on any of His promises. 1 Kings 8.56 says this, Not one word has failed of all the good promises that He gave. God is eternal, eternally reliable, steadfast, and unwavering because faithfulness is one of His inherent attributes. And God does not have to work like we do at being faithful. He is faithful. Faithfulness is an essential part of who He is. Psalm 89.8 says this, O Lord God Almighty, who is like you? You are mighty, O Lord, and your faithfulness surrounds you. Hebrews 13.8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. In his faithfulness, God protects us from evil. 2 Thessalonians 3.3, But the Lord is faithful and he will strengthen and protect you from the evil one. He sets limits on our temptations. 1 Corinthians 10.13, No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful because he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will always provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. He forgives our sin, 1 John 1.9. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. He sanctifies us. 1 Corinthians 1.9 God who has called you into fellowship with His Son Jesus Christ our Lord is faithful. And Philippians 1.6 Being confident of this, that He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Bruce Shelley in Christianity, Theology and Plain Language writes this, in modern times, we define a host of relations by contracts. And these are usually for goods or services or for hard cash. The contract, formal or informal, helps us to specify failures in these relationships. The Lord did not establish a contract with Israel or with the church. He created a covenant. And there is a difference. Contracts are broken when one of the parties fails to keep his or her promise. If, let us say, a patient fails to keep an appointment with a doctor, the doctor is not obligated to call the house and to inquire, where were you? Why didn't you show up for the appointment? He simply goes on to his next patient and has his appointment secretary take note of the patient who failed to make the appointment. And the patient may find it harder next time to see the doctor because he broke an informal contract. According to Isaiah 49.15, however, the Lord asked, Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child that she has born? Though she may forget, I will not forget you. 
The Bible indicates the covenant is more like the ties of a parent to her child rather than a doctor's appointment. If a child fails to show up for dinner, the parent's obligation, unlike the doctor's, isn't canceled. The parent finds out where the child is and makes sure that he or she is cared for. One member's failure does not destroy the relationship. The covenant puts no conditions on faithfulness. It's the unconditional commitment to love and to serve. When a person walks consistently with God in humble service to him, he or she can be called faithful. When Nehemiah had to leave Jerusalem to return to Persia, he put Ananiah and Hananiah in charge. And the reason for his choice of these men was that they were more faithful and God-fearing than many. Nehemiah 7, 1-2. After the wall had been rebuilt and I had set the doors in place, the gatekeepers and the singers and the Levites were appointed. I put in charge of Jerusalem my brother Hananiah, along with Hananiah, the commander of the citadel, because he was a man of integrity and he feared God more than most men do. Nehemiah needed men of character whom he could trust, men who would not take bribes, who were committed to the welfare of the people, and who would uphold the integrity of that office. Notice also that faithfulness is associated with the fear of God. The better we truly know God, the more we will want to imitate him. Ephesians 5, 1-2. The imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, as we live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Other examples of faithfulness in Scripture include Silas in 1 Peter 5.12. With the help of Silas, whom I regard as a faithful brother, I have written to you briefly, encouraging you and testifying that this is the true grace of God. Stand fast in it. Ephaphras, Colossians 1.7. You learn it from Ephaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf. Onesimus, Colossians 4.9. He is coming with Onesimus, our faithful and dear brother, who is one of you. They will tell you everything that is happening here. And in Hebrews 3, verse 2, Moses. He, Jesus, was faithful to the one who appointed him, just as Moses was faithful in all of God's house. Some of the names included in this faithful list are unfamiliar to most people. But faithfulness, even in small matters, is known to God and rewarded in the end. Luke 19:17. well done. My good servant, the master replied, because you have been trustworthy in very small matter, take charge of ten cities. Mark, Senator Mark Hadfield tells of touring Calcutta with Mother Teresa and visiting the so-called House of Dying, where sick children are cared for in the last days, and the dispensary where the poor line up by the hundreds to receive medical attention. Watching Mother Teresa minister to these people, feeding and nursing those left, to, left by others to die, 
Senator Hadfield was overwhelmed by the sheer magnitude of the suffering she and her co-workers face daily. How can you bear the load without being crushed by it, he asked. Mother Teresa replied, My dear Senator, I am not called to be successful. I am called to be faithful. Ray Stedman, in talking to my father, writes this on Mother's Day, talking to my father. Okay, An old missionary couple had been working in Africa for years, and they were returning to New York City to retire. They had no pension. Their health was broken. They were defeated, discouraged, and afraid. They discovered that they were booked on the same ship as President Teddy Roosevelt, who was returning from one of his big game hunting trips. No one paid attention to them. They watched the fanfare that accompanied the president's entourage while passengers lined up trying to catch a glimpse of this great man. As the ship moved across the ocean, the old missionary said to his wife, Something is wrong. Why should we have given our lives in faithful service to God in Africa all these many years and have no one care a thing about us? There this man comes back from a hunting trip and everybody makes much ado over him. But nobody gives two hoots about us. Dear, you shouldn't feel that way, his wife said. I can't help it. It just doesn't seem right. When the ship docked in New York, a band was waiting to greet the president. The mayor and other dignities were there. The newspapers were full of the president's arrival, but no one noticed the missionary couple. They slipped off the ship, and they found a cheap flat on the east side, hoping the next day to see what they could do to make a living in the city. That night, the man's spirit broke. And he said to his wife, I can't take this. God is not treating us fairly. His wife replied, why don't you go in the bedroom and tell that to the Lord? Short time later, he came out of the bedroom, but now his face was completely different. His wife asked, dear, what happened? The Lord settled it with me, he said. I told him how bitter I was that the president should receive this tremendous homecoming when no one met us as we returned home. And when I finished, it seemed as though the Lord put his hand on my shoulder and simply said, but you're not home yet. Yes, there are rewards for faithfulness, but not necessarily here. The Bible also warns us of the consequences of unfaithfulness. These warnings are necessary because, as the old hymn says, we are prone to wander, prone to leave the God I love. Our hearts are too often found fickle despite our best intentions. Proverbs 26, many a man claims to have unfailing love, but a faithful man who can find. Jeremiah 17, 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Matthew 26, 75. Then he, Peter, began to call down curses on himself and he swore to them, I don't know the man. 
immediately a rooster crows. Faithfulness affects every relationship that we have. There once was a, which is a true story, not there once was, but there's a factory employee named Kenneth who worked for the largest manufacturer in Illinois for 24 years. The wages and benefits paid at his factory were double what the average factory job paid in America. He had steady work. He was 44 years old, yet he had never attended a union meeting. He was a contented, middle-class worker until 1992. From 1992 till 1994, you could find Kenneth at the end of the day shift, at the end of the day shift, parading through the factory holding an American flag with other workers chanting, no contract, no peace. No contract, no peace. Kenneth called out to beat for about 100 middle-aged marchers. So what turned a contented worker into a thorn in this manufacturer's side? The turning point came in 1992, after the union had been on strike for nearly six months when the company threatened to replace its striking workers. And that did something to Kenneth. It turned him bitterly against the company. And Kenneth angrily explained, I finally realized two years ago when they threatened to replace us that as far as they are concerned, I am nothing to them. I am nothing to them. Kenneth's whole attitude changed when he concluded, whether rightly or wrongly, that he had no worth to the company, that he was replaceable, that they didn't care about him as a person. Even the toughest, manliest laborer in America craves loyalty, craves to have others care. And there is only one place where we are assured of this. God values us, and he cares for us so much that when we went on strike, rejecting his will for our lives, instead of rejecting us in return, he sent his son to die for us. The Bible says faithfulness is a gift from God. When we receive Christ as Lord, the Holy Spirit indwells in us and brings the blessings of love, joy, peace, and faithfulness. And the fullness of these blessings depends on walking with God and yielding to his spirit. We should be faithful to read and abide by God's word and to seek the Lord in prayer. Found in Psalm 1. 1-2 and Ephesians 6:18. The Old Testament taught that the just will live by faith. Habakkuk 2:4. And that truth is quoted, amplified, and illuminated three times in the New Testament. We obtain that faith and our faithfulness by the grace of God. He is faithful to his children, and by his grace we will one day hear the words, "Well done, good and faithful servant. Let's look at a demonstration of faithfulness in the Bible. Once again, the example is Jesus. And it's found in the 16th chapter of Matthew. Verse 21 tells us that Jesus brings his disciples together and tells them that he is going to Jerusalem. He tells them, I know what will happen there. I'm going to be arrested and beaten and crucified, but I'm going anyways. You may, you, may, you may remember that in the next verse, P- 
Peter tries to stop him. He said, Lord, don't go. But Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. So what's the reason that he called Peter Satan? Perhaps because Satan was using Peter to try to get Jesus to quit, to be unfaithful. Again and again throughout his ministry, Satan tried to tempt Jesus to be unfaithful. Don't go to the cross. Don't die for their sins. Just quit. It's going to be too tough. There will be too many obstacles, too many difficulties. Why don't you just turn around and quit? Yet Scripture tells us that Jesus set his face steadfastly towards Jerusalem. Jesus was determined that no matter what happened, he would be, he would be faithful to the mission that God had for him to do. So steadfastly he goes to Jerusalem. Even while he was hanging on the cross, the people below him were mocking him, saying, if you really are the Son of God, come down from the cross. And that's what Satan was saying too. Quit. Come on down. It's not worth it. The pain is too, in- too intense. The people don't care anyways. Just quit. But he continued to hang there until finally he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And into thy hands I commit my spirit. That's faithfulness. That's faithfulness unto death. And the faithfulness of Jesus has inspired the faithfulness of others down through the ages. Those who hung in there through the good and the bad, through times of plenty and times of want. Let's read Hebrews chapter 3, verse 2 to 6 again. Chapter 2. He was faithful to him who appointed him as Moses also was in all of his hosts. Verse 3. For he has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, by just so much as the builder of the house has more honor than the house. Verse 4. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Verse 5. Now Moses was faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which would be spoken later. And verse 6. But Christ was faithful as a son over his house, whose house we are. If we hold fast our confidence and the boast of our hope from firm until the end. In the first two chapters of the book of Hebrews, the writer uses angels as a point of comparison with Jesus. Here he uses Moses. Both angels and Moses were associated with the Mosaic Covenant. And the readers of the letter were perhaps considering returning to it. Clearly, Moses was an important person with an important message, but the readers had an inflated opinion of both Moses and the law. Perhaps they were even thinking, as they thought before they came to Christ, that Moses and his words were superior to Jesus's. So the writer compares Jesus to Moses to show the superiority of Jesus. In these verses, he wants to show his readers that Jesus was superior to Moses in faithfulness. And we, too, can benefit from observing the comparison and understanding the faithfulness of Jesus. First, his faithfulness to God, and then his faithfulness to us. And the comparison breaks down this way. 
Moses was worthy of glory. Jesus was worthy of more glory. Moses was part of the house. Jesus is the builder of the house. Moses was a servant. Jesus is the son. Moses was a servant in the house. Jesus is the son over the house. Moses gave testimony for the future. And Jesus is the fulfillment of that testimony. So how is Jesus faithful? First, he is faithful to the one who appointed him, nearly God, namely God. Second, he's faithful over God's house, namely us. And the two aspects of his faithfulness are intertwined. God entrusted his house to Jesus. And that was the task that God gave him. So being faithful to God means being faithful over God's house. Both aspects of the faithfulness are understandable in his decision that Jesus makes to go to the cross. It was a task that God gave him to do. And Jesus was faithful to it. And so he was faithful over God's house, rescuing it from sin and bondage and death and condemnation. His faithfulness to God was not strictly a vertical affair between him and God. It not only benefited us eternally, it was actually motivated by our need. When Jesus began to teach his disciples that he would be killed, Peter rebuked him, trying to persuade him that such talk was nonsense. Only after turning around and seeing his disciples did Jesus rebuke Peter. The temptation to avoid the cross was great. And Jesus was motivated to resist the temptation and move towards the cross by looking at his disciples and seeing their need for a Savior. His faithfulness was motivated by his love for us. Jesus paid the debt. And this, of course, was the most terrifying thing that anyone has ever had to do. Yet Jesus was faithful to it. Faithful to God and faithful to us. God entrusted our eternal destiny to Jesus. God knew he was trustworthy, and he was. The cross then proves that Jesus can be trusted. More specifically, it proves that we can trust him. And if we can, if we can trust him with our eternal destiny, we can trust him with this day. We can trust him with next week and month and year. We can trust him with our dreams that are so secret that we dare not tell anyone. We can trust him with our heavenly future. If we can trust him with our heavenly future, we can trust him with our earthly future. If we can trust him with areas in our heart so tender that they bleed when anyone comes close, we can trust them when our life is falling apart. Others may betray our trust, but we can trust him. If we can trust him to go to the cross for us, we can trust him to be there for us. If we can trust him to die for us, we can trust him to live for us. If we can trust him with our soul, then we can trust him with our life. Jesus is faithful, and the scriptures encourage us to see for ourselves. 
and we're given plenty of incentive. We know enough about who he is and what he's done for us to look further, deeper, and harder. Consider Jesus. Take a good, hard look at his faithfulness. And as Philip told Nathaniel, come and see. This time I'd like to ask our worship team to come back up and close us with praise. As they're making their way up here, I'd like to read a key verse from this chapter on belief. Of course, I have to switch this. A key verse on our chapter in belief on faithfulness from Proverbs 3, 3 to 4. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. Amen.